Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. I keep going like this because I don't know where to put my cup. So if I keep moving it, it's See, just... See, when you're 51, you know exactly how to do it. Just what? Yeah. I'm not 51 yet. We're getting there. All right. Cold open. <clears throat> you ready? Yes. Giving Tuesday is next Tuesday, November 29th. Yeah. Let's talk about <laughs> the hill. Yeah. Yeah. So... um we are building a teen center in San Bernardino, Woo-hoo! and it is named The Hill. Uh, you probably know more about her than I do. Yeah. Can you tell us about her? Uh, it's after a woman named Margaret Hill, yeah. who was a pioneer in San Bernardino in education, and everyone just loved her. She served on the board for many, many years, and even up until her death. So, yeah. yeah. So some of her family was there that night, mm-hmm. and for those of you who are wondering, there's a talk going around the internet that I gave that you can watch on my Instagram, yeah. on Sandal's Instagram, mm-hmm. but it just kind of tells you why we're involved in that. But every single uh, Giving Tuesday in uh, November, uh, we pick a Tuesday to raise money for a specific project over and above. Typically, what we've done in the past is um, we've you, we've used this to um, expand campuses. Yeah. And so this year, we're not going to expand a campus um, right now. We want to use this money to build a teen center in San Bernardino. And there's a couple of reasons why. 90% of all uh, teenagers in San Bernardino fall below the poverty mm-hmm. line. Um, many teenagers don't go to school because they don't have clean clothes. Yeah. So one of the things that we're doing is we're providing free laundry services for teenagers. There's also going to be hang space, supervised space. Mm-hmm. That's really important. Uh, it's going to be a drug-free zone. You know, we're not going to allow kids to do whatever they want. But it's just a way for us to say as a church, hey, we love you. We see you in yep. San Bernardino. And it's an opportunity for kids to hang out in a safe place where hopefully, you know, from our perspective, they would meet God. But like I say in the video, Look, if, if the ultimate result is that they're just inspired, they become educated and great citizens, that's still a win. Obviously, as a Christian, I want them to know that they're loved mm-hmm. by God and that Jesus Christ died on the cross for them. Yeah. But um, we are doing this just to say we love you, no strings attached, just come and and be a part of this. And so if you'd like to be a part of that, um, I would encourage you to get the Sandals app. And I think on Giving Tuesday, you can give specifically mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll put it in the show notes. Do you know exactly where they can I go went to? on the website, and it uh, even in the emails and any of the links, it'll take you straight to the page. There's a landing yeah. page where you can give. So, and so do that. Yeah, and so here's what's important. I get this question every year. And, and, and again, if you have this question, I love you, um, but this bothers me. Um, people say, well, can I designate my tithe to this? Mm-hmm. You can, but that's then you're not tithing. Sure. Tithing is what we give to the Lord. This is what I believe. So this is what I practice. You can you can believe and decide whatever you want. Tammy and I never take away from our tithe to the local church. We always give over and above. So Tammy and I have given to uh, the, the, Joy the Joy Company. the Joy Company. Mm-hmm. We love giving to what you guys do. We love supporting you, yeah. um, and being a part of what you're doing. But I don't take money away from Sandals to right. give to you. I don't take money away from Sandals to give to this. It's it's. Part of the thing is, you know, Jesus said it is better to give than to receive. And one of the things we need to practice as Christians is giving. We need to look for opportunities to give. And, um, you know, and, and there's a lot of opportunities, you know, so like I was at Sprouts, they said, do you want to donate, you know, a meal for family? I said, no, we're doing that at our church, but mm-hmm, thank you. Because mm-hmm. I, I I run it through our church, because I think it's really important that our community knows that we care about families in need. We care about families who are hungry. And so we do that through our church. And so that's really important for me. And, um, you know, I want my generosity to flow through the church because I, I believe that we worship a generous God. And so there are all kinds of opportunities to give. This is how I give. And so it's an opportunity for you to do it. We're trying to raise 1.3 million. Uh, we've had some pretty incredible gifts awesome. step up so far. And so I'm just really, really encouraged. And so, you know, no, no matter what you give, five, 10, $20, man, I would encourage you to be a part of this. 
every dollar matters. I mean, that's the thing that always amazes me. You know, Sandals Church is not is not a story of millionaires coming together mm-hmm. saying we're going to build a great church. It's normal people like you and like me. We all have budgets. Mm-hmm. We struggle paying bills. We struggle putting clothes on our kids. You know, especially your son, man, grows like stinking <laughs> weed. Um, it's huge. He is. Oh my gosh. So, um, you know, we we're all struggling to do that. But but in the midst of that, we're trying to honor God with yeah. what He's given us, and it's just such a beautiful thing to give. And so, no guilt. Uh, it's just an opportunity to give. And um, I don't ever, I don't think you should, if you ever feel guilty, that's not God. But if you feel generous, that might be God. Mm-hmm. And so I would just say that the spirit of the Lord is generous. He's not guilt oriented. And so this is just an awesome opportunity for all of us to be a part of this. And and so here's the thing. So you say, well, we have 14 campuses. Why aren't we building this at every campus? Two reasons. Number one, we don't have money to build it at every campus. Number two, we already own the square footage. Mm-hmm. So these buildings are already intact. They're already there. The church at San Bernardino that we purchased out of bankruptcy is our one of our largest campuses, has the best parking. I mean, because it was built as a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of our campuses were not built as churches, and so we struggled to turn them into uh, churches, but it has, um, you know, 29,000 feet that we square feet that we've designated for the teen center. It's going to be awesome. And so it's just literally a matter of updating and improving what we already own. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who don't know, that is a lot cheaper and a lot easier to work through cities than it is to put shovels in the ground, put in a foundation yeah. and build something up. You know, just for an example, we were trying to improve our East Valley campus and we went to the city uh, because we were trying to build, you know, more education space there. And it was millions of dollars just to improve the street and the lights. Wow. So we were going to be a couple million dollars into that. Um, it's right off the 38. We had to do irrigation, all kinds of stuff. And so it was like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So imagine spending 2 million bucks and you haven't done one thing. Mm-hmm. So it was like, well, we're going to build a tent or not a tent, but a per- nice, yeah. beautiful percolate. Mm-hmm. So they let us do that. And that's what we did. We wanted to do more, but you know, we got to just be so careful. So yeah. this one, we don't have to improve any street lights. Yeah. They're already there and we already have the facilities. Yeah. So. And the facilities are great. And for those of you that haven't been to our San Bernardino campus, there are several schools right around. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a junior high right on the back of our back corner. And mm-hmm. so kids can walk there from all over and get those services. What are the cross streets of that campus? It's. Oh, Sierra Way and the P one. Yeah. I can't think yeah, of no. the P. Somebody look it up. All I know is... and 40th is the main, but the actual cross street, Sierra Way and... Gosh, You should P- know. You drive there multiple times a week. I know. I have lived there. So when there. we go, we go up to 18. Yeah. So we get off in the 18 and then we make a left at the high school. North Sierra Way and Parkdale? Parkdale. North Sierra Way and Parkdale. I wanted to call it something else. And this is the center of information. You don't even know the streets where your church is. I don't. I just now, know to how to fair, get there. To be fair, at Palmerita... I have no idea what the cul-de-sac is named. <laughs> so I, it's, Ma, it's Mount yeah, Herman or what is Mount Vernon, Mount Herman, Mount Vernon <laughs> and Paul Marita. So yeah. here I am making fun of you, but I don't. Yeah, I could. I just know it started with a P. I, I have for some reason in my head, Palomares, but that's mm-hmm. the street that I grew up near mm-hmm. Pomona. So I'm like, it's not Palomares, but I knew it was Sierra Way and 40th is the main street. Mm-hmm. And then you have to. So let me ask you a question. This out. is a gender question. Okay. I just saw this on a, on a, on a show the other day I was listening to. What do 83% of women do while driving that 83% of men do not do? Well, I swerve a lot. I don't know. No. What is what? it? No, it's GPS. Men oh. do not use oh, really? GPS. Oh, I put it on every time. Right. No matter where I go. My wife would follow GPS off a cliff. No. Telling me as we're falling off the cliff. <laughs> this is the Google way. said. Google said. <laughs> so we are. We are just so. It's just so I, amazing. I don't. 
I think maybe because women have so many, maybe, I feel like I have so many things in my brain happening at the mm-hmm. same time that I always just need it to tell me where to go because I'll forget. Yeah. Now, you know, statistics are always lies, but that's what I, I was watching this podcast and that's what they said <laughs> is that men and women drive completely differently. Like men just do not want to know where they are because they know where they're going. Oh, no. So. I have to know because I don't want to waste time. Yeah. Oh, amen. Time so, is money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, just tell me how to get there. But yeah, I always forget it's Park- Parkdale. I've lived there for 10 years. This is mm-hmm. actually pretty sad. I, I'm i embarrassed. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Hey. Hello, and welcome to a new season of the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown, the podcast where author and pastor Matt Brown answers all your questions about spirituality, uh, culture, all the things. I'm yes. totally messing this up right now. That's what happens when you go I away was for gone a week. for a week, and now I don't even know what I'm saying. But all of your questions get answered from a spiritual perspective. Yeah. And my name is Donna Martin. I get to be your host. Hello, Pastor yeah, Matt. Hey, we missed you last week. Stephanie did a great job, though. Awesome. Some people thought that they were listening to an old episode. I heard I that, heard that times. several times. I had women walk up to me and go, I tuned in and then it wasn't you. And then I was like, oh, this must be an old one. I'm like, no, I wasn't there. Yep. I was on a plane almost dying. Yeah. In New York City, right? In Manhattan. I, I was in Manhattan. And then I, well, Tuesday I was flying back. So I wasn't in Manhattan. Yeah, we prayed for you that you wouldn't freak out with the I, closed door. I, you know what, that part didn't happen, but because I got a little cold, um, I was so claustrophobic. And I then I was in the corner oh, no, can't of can't the plane, and there was a lady. And right before takeoff, I'm like, I gotta get up. And then the the stewardess was like, You can't. I was like, Yes, I can. Mm. It's okay. I told you the guy when I was coming. I'm not gonna say where because God forbid he listens to this podcast. <laughs> that would be awesome. I was flying back recently from a place, and the guy next to me smelled so bad. I took my big red chewing gum, split it in half, and shoved it up both nostrils. That's I could not. So bad. Now Bear that's it. pretty bad. I could the South, dude. People sweat. They people do. Sweat and he in the just South. Didn't okay. He did not have well, time for a shower. I am so sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. I'm six feet. I will never not pay for the extra leg room yeah. again. It was like a a, a flight where we had to rebook because mm-hmm. our other flight got canceled and blah, blah blah. So we just bought it real quick. But it's never gonna happen. I'm six feet tall, friends. Yeah. Friends. Well, I'm almost six feet tall. And a couple years ago, (laughs) this is like 15, 16 years ago, we flew to Israel and it's like a, I want to say it's a 14 or no, it's a 16 hour flight coming back. So one way, 16 hours. And I was on one of those big planes buried four seats in. No. And there were three women from our church. And that all were asleep and I had to pee. Oh, no. (laughs) So I had to crawl over. One woman was my wife. Then I had to crawl over two women in our church in the economy cheap seats, their knees are pressed against the chair. Yeah. <clears throat> and this woman in our church summer wakes up while I'm on top of her. We're face to face. That's so embarrassing. Because, you know, the person in front of her, their chairs lean back. Right. So I'm literally in her face, on top of her. She wakes up and, and I go, I have to pee. And she goes, okay, just go. And I'm like, okay. And I just kind of, and it was like the weirdest, most bizarre moment. Like you never want to wake up and your pastor is He's like right here. half an inch from your nose, but it was so bad. And I just told Tammy, never again, Yeah, never, never again. again, because you know, you try to hold it and then, and then you're just like, I'm going to wet myself. I yeah, could not do it, but everybody was asleep. I mean, snoring, mouth oh, open, snoring. No. 
Yeah. yeah my late, the lady at the end of ours was pretty nice. My best friend was sitting next to me and mm. that, but it didn't matter. It was just a rough and it wasn't even that it was like five hours and it was just yeah. rough. Call, but, me, call me when you do 16. Oh, I know I did 24 to Singapore, Ooh, but yeah. I was much younger and didn't have all the claustrophobic stuff I got yeah, going yeah. on right now. Isn't that fun know. as you age? Yeah. All the cute. issues you get. I love yeah. it. It's mm-hmm. so cute. Okay. Hey, so this past weekend, you, okay, 25 years of Sandals I Church. Uh, I mean, did you throw a party? Did you like run in the street? Like, No, so I did really good until the last service and then I cried. Aww, I literally yeah. bawled my eyes out. Um, you know, we, so every time we we did it, it was just a little bit different because we don't just go off a script. But what got me started was I talked about how recently I've given up drinking wine because dementia runs in my family. And I looked at Tammy and I was like, because I want to know you as long as possible. And I just started (laughs) crying. Yeah. So um, and then when I just when she wrapped up and I prayed over the church and I just kind of realized, oh, my gosh, Mm. you know, so I was 26 years old when we started the church. So this next year. I will have been your pastor longer than I was alive when I started. It's just been such a huge part of our life. We have grown up here, made mistakes here, mm-hmm. been loved here. And I'm just so grateful, you know, for all the people that served. You know, I, I don't even, I can't even remember the names of everybody mm-hmm. we've had on staff. And I just want to say thank you to everybody who, you know, came to work here, played a part. Uh, many of those people go to other churches now. You know, they live in other states now. I just want to say thank you. I'm just so grateful. I'm grateful for the good, the bad, and the ugly because yeah. it all helped. Um, even even some of the staff members that were super difficult, even some of the people that have been super painful, hmm. I would not become who God's called me to be without that. And so, you know, Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. And some of those lovely people that I just thought, oh my God, why are they in my life? Well, they're in my life because God wants to grow me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I just would encourage everybody that's going through a tough time, quit quit praying for God to take it away and just learn what you can. Mm-hmm. So so thank you guys. It was amazing. It was a great weekend. Years. And I'm just so thankful and I'm so grateful for for everybody at Sandals Church. Um, I think what I, what, I, what I cried about was I said, you know, I know your guys' lives are busy. I know you you guys struggle and you you come here week after week, you serve, mm-hmm. you attend and you give your money and you have no idea what that means to me because I know how hard life mm-hmm. is. And, you know, Tammy and I get paid to make time for church. Mm-hmm. Our church people pay to make time yeah, for church. And good. I just, I just want everyone to know that that means so much to me. And I'm just so grateful. I'm just so, so grateful for everybody, uh, those that watch our kids and teach them about Jesus, those who work in, you know, soul care, marriage ministry, small groups, man, people that help people park on the production mm-hmm. team. I got to pray with this young man this weekend, and I first met him when he was battling anxiety so bad mm-hmm. he couldn't come out of the house. And his mom, I think during the healer service series, asked me to pray over him. Mm-hmm. And he's running lead camera now at our church. And she just was Praise in tears. God. She's like, my son is, my son has been changed here and healed. And I just, it, I just was so grateful to see him, to know that not only is he getting out of the house, but he's serving mm-hmm. and he's making a difference. And, you know, nobody hears anything that you and I do right now without the production team, right. uh, without the tech team. And uh, just so incredible and love all of you guys. So thank you so much. Yeah. We're so grateful too. I mean, as, as, as much gratitude as you have for all of those that show up and come. And I know that we're equally as grateful too well, for your you. yes to yeah. Jesus, right? Cause this is awesome. That's the beauty of the church. It's what we get to do together. 
local church is the hope of the world. Amen. 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 All right. So we've got some great, great I questions. Know. Oh my gosh. So good. I was Googling this morning and praying and thinking and praying for you, even as you are going to answer these, because these are awesome. So if you have questions, don't forget, you can go on the app. You can click debrief and submit a question there. You can go to move.sc forward slash ask and ask your question there. And these are so great. So yeah. I'm super excited. Let's roll. Mm. You're ready? Yes. Okay. This is Samuel from Lake Arrowhead. And hello, Samuel. Yes. Um, my coworker and I t- attend Sandals Church and listen to the debrief every week. And we love to discuss the topics at work. I think that's so cool. Yeah, that's great. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, absolutely. Recently, another coworker joined our conversation and it became clear to us that this coworker subscribed to a combination of faiths and religious beliefs, some Christian, Catholic, Buddhist, universalism, and even Hindu beliefs. Mm -hmm. He said he sees Jesus as a man on equal grounds as Gandhi or Buddha, and that the writings of Paul are not to be believed because he was simply a man like you or I. He also brought up the Council of Nicaea. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but we're going for it. And talked about how the formation of the Bible was all man-made and not inspired by God. How do we go about approaching and evangelizing with someone with such beliefs? Well, I think it's a great question. And so, you know, this person probably would identify as Christian. And that's why you need to have conversations mm. to find out, you know, what that means. What what do you mean by Christian? So let's, let's start off with the Apostle Paul, because I think the Apostle mm. Paul is the most attacked uh, person in the Bible today, because his views are considered the most controversial, out of touch with the way that we interpret, um, you know, kind of the modern world. So this is what Peter says about Paul. So who is Peter? Peter is the handpicked disciple by Jesus to lead the church. Mm-hmm. So you can't get any better than Peter because Jesus picked him, said, you're in charge yeah. upon this rock. I'm going to build my church. Right. So this is what Peter said about Paul. This is in 2 Peter 3.15. Our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks uh, in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to my life. <laughs> He said, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do, listen to this, the other scriptures. So the apostle Peter put what Paul said Mm -hmm. in comparison to scripture. So almost immediately when the apostle Paul began to write, there's a reason that not only was Peter chosen uh, to be the leader of the church, but Paul was chosen by Christ to be a leader to the Gentiles because Paul was a refined weapon of God. Everything that he wrote was inspired. Immediately after he wrote his letters, they were considered scripture. Mm-hmm. So um, Paul's letters were immediately considered authoritative and widely circulated. Your friend is incorrect about the Council of Nicaea. So let me explain that. They did not discuss what was or wasn't scripture. Mm-hmm. That never came up. So that's one of, uh, I believe it's Voltaire. I can't I can't remember who come, came up with a rumor about that hundreds and hundreds of years later. Um, the Council of Nicaea really talked about three things. The nature of Christ. Right. Who is he? Uh, actually, can eunuchs <laughs> serve in the church mm-hmm. um, as priests and or as leaders in the church? So if you don't know what a eunuch is, it's someone who has their testicles cut off. Um, are they able to serve in the church? That's just like a bizarre, yeah. you know, contemporary issue, not contemporary, ancient issue they had to deal with. And then um, the last um, issue was really specifically related to when is Easter? Right. Because there was disagreement. So here's why I love the Council of Nicaea. A lot of people love to, you know, call it the first council incorrect. The first council is in Acts 15, presided over in Jerusalem by James. The Council of Nicaea is beautiful because we don't have a pope yet. 
So the Bishop of Rome is there who will eventually become the Pope. We have the Bishop of Constantinople who will eventually become, they don't like the term Pope, but but the leader of the Orthodox Church. We have the uh, Syrian Bishop, uh, the leader of Antioch, the Syrian Church. There, Jerusalem probably had representatives there. We don't know if they had a bishop at that time. And then we have the African Bishop, the Bishop of Alexandria. So we have all of these bishops gathered together who are present there. And here's what's beautiful. Um, you know, the most famous bishop from this time is um, the bishop from Alexandria. And, and we don't know what ethnicity he was, but you're going to love this. His skin is described as blackish. Blackish. Right. That's, yeah. that's me. I'm yeah. kind of blackish. You're blackish. Yeah. So, right. So uh, he may, so he's from Africa. He's, we don't know what ethnicity he was. So we, when you look at all the ancient pictures of uh, Athenaeus, he's a white dude with a white beard. Mm-hmm. The descriptions of him are he had reddish hair uh, and black skin. Hmm. So probably some kind of mixed race from Northern Africa. And so intermarriage was very, very common, um, especially in the the Northern African areas. But that's where he's from. Most people believe he's a black dude. Mm -hmm. And he's the guy who argued passionately that Jesus Christ is of the same substance as the Father. Mm -hmm. So uh, Arian which was condemned, Arianism, was that there was a time when Jesus was not. And so who believes this to this day? Jehovah Witnesses. Jehovah Witnesses believe that Jesus is a little God, but there was a time when he was not God, and he is a created being. They point to uh, Proverbs chapter 8, the creation of wisdom, uh, kind of as their proof text for that. And so this is a large debate. Here's what I want everyone to know about the Council of Nicaea. It wasn't 50-50. It's not like American politics. There was about 18 uh, bishops, we think, who thought that there was a time when Christ was not. But the overwhelming, so there's about 300 present, mm-hmm. you know, we don't, you know, they didn't keep great records, or if they did, you know, we've lost them. Somewhere between 270 and 318 bishops gathered for this. So it's an incredible thing. Ultimately, uh, the decision was 300 to 3. Hmm. Christ is divine. He's of the same essence and substance as God the Father, and Arianism was condemned. And we really don't see this again until the rise of Jehovah Witnesses, um, when they kind of say, you know, they kind of create their theology. And that's nothing against Jehovah Witnesses. They're great people who are a lot more faithful than many of our listeners. They just are misinformed Mm -hmm. as to the nature of Christ. Mm -hmm. So let me read to you um, the Nicene Creed. So here's what they wrote. This is what came out of this, because a lot of Christians don't know what this is. They've never heard of this. It says, we believe in one God. So do we. (laughs) The Father Almighty. So do we. The maker of all things, visible and invisible. So do we. And in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so here's what's huge. If you're Mormon, you need to listen to this. Begotten from the Father, only begotten. And what they mean by that is not created. Mm -hmm. Not created. And so Jesus is begotten literally means of of the Father, the substance of the Father. So they clarify, begotten from the Father, only begotten, that is, from the substance of the Father. God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Listen to this, if you're Mormon. Begotten, not made. So this is huge. Of one substance with the Father, through whom all things came into being. So one of the things that John tells us in his gospel, and Colossians says, is that all things were made through Jesus. Mm -hmm. He is the creator of all things. Um... And many people miss this in the Gospel of John. So the Gospel of John is kind of like a new Genesis. 
So a lot of Christians don't understand this. We're going to get into speaking in tongues, I think, later mm-hmm. uh, in, in the, the, the message. So it begins with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. It's pointing to Genesis. John mm-hmm. is writing the new Genesis. How does it end? Jesus breathes on the disciples. Mm-hmm. Why is it different? What does God do to make Adam in Genesis? Yeah, he he breathes. breathes on him. Mm-hmm. What is John trying to tell us? Yeah. Jesus is God. Yeah. And he is breathing um, just like he, br- he, he breathed life into Adam, he breathed new life, the That's Holy good. Spirit, into the church. And so John is not counter, he's not contradicting what Matthew, Mark, and Luke say, or the book of Acts says. He is literally painting a spiritual picture of who Jesus is. Jesus is the God that makes us fully human again. Hmm. That's who he is yeah. because we are fallen. So he made all things in heaven on earth who because of us men and because of our salvation came down and became incarnate and became a man. So Jesus is always God, but what John says is he became a man and he suffered. He rose again on the third day and he ascended to the heavens and he will come to judge the living and the dead. So they don't clarify the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity yet. So that that will come later. And they just said, and in the Holy Spirit. So that they kind of punted on that one. Um, But as for those who say, there was when he was not. So if you're a Jehovah Witness, there was when he was not. And before being born, he was not. And that he came into existence out of nothing. Or who assert that the Son of God is a different hypostasis, that's a, just a fancy Greek word that means of substance, or of substance, or created, or subject to altercation or change. These, the Catholic and the apostol- apostolic church, anathemize. So they, they are saying, yeah. your Jehovah Witness friends, God bless them, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. That is, man, anyone who says that Jesus Christ was created, that that he, that there is anyone like him. So if you're Mormon, mm-hmm. that he has brothers, this is not what we were saying. So he said, so he's equal to Gandhi. Did Gandhi rise from the dead? He's equal no. to Buddha. Did Buddha rise from the dead? Hinduism, look, if you're Hindu, I, I love you. It's brutal. Yeah. You Look. You, you think you think America is bad. Imagine being born into a system where you are judged because of what you did in a previous life. Mm-hmm. It is horrific. Like you think racism is bad in America. My Hindu friends, I have Hindu friends who've been beaten by their grandmothers with a stick because they played with the wrong friend. Mm-hmm. Like today. It is just, it is just such a bizarre thing. Now, Gandhi was awesome. There's no doubt Gandhi was a, a great moral teacher. But again, did he rise from the dead? No. Right. So uh, universalism, just plain wrong. You have to repent of your sin and, 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 <laughs> yeah. and believe in Jesus Christ. And so here's, the, here's what I would say about your friend. I don't know your friend, but I know a lot of people like this. The truth is people like this don't believe in God or religion. They believe in themselves. They've, so he attacks what Paul says, but really what he's doing is he's making himself Paul. Mm. I am the discerner of what's right. I know what's wrong. I know... Um, you know, what is scripture? What is not scripture? And to, to, to just say, you know, people in 325, that's when the Council of Nicaea was gathered. Um, and, and people say, well, Constantinople dictated. No, no, he just said, would you guys please figure out what it is? And by the way, Constantinople, uh, Constantine was not baptized, I don't think for 15 years later. Hmm. So he doesn't even convert for like 15 more years. Now his mother did, but he did not convert. Um, he just said, look, can, can we have some clarity on what you believe? Because the church has been scattered and persecuted for 300 years. Mm-hmm. They speak different languages. They're from different cultures. The African church speaks Coptic. You know, the Syrian church probably speaks Greek. Um, 
the church in Constantine and in Rome is probably speaking Latin. Mm -hmm. Nobody speaks or reads Hebrew anymore. <clears throat> so it's, it's a problem. And they got to come together and figure this out. Mm -hmm. So what I would say is, is, is this friend, God bless him. We need to pray for him. This is almost always about someone who wants to do as they please. Mm -hmm. Christianity is not about doing what you please. It's about doing what pleases God. And so I would just say that, um, you know, I, I come from a Baptist tradition, Baptist tradition, and we don't have creeds, but creeds are not, are not bad things. So what the Baptist would say is we just believe in the Bible. Well, okay. Well, you know, but what do you believe about the Bible? So they write the Baptist faith and mm -hmm. message, which is not a creed, but it's kind of a creed <laughs> because whenever you say, this is what we believe, you know, when you go to the Sandals Church website, what does Sandals Church believe? We wouldn't call them creeds. We call them statements of faith, mm -hmm. but it's really like, mm, it's creed. Yeah. You know, is it an orange or a, you know, a, tangerine? Yeah. <laughs> it's close. So um, the Council of Nicaea, I think, is a beautiful thing. It's it's one of the, the, the beautiful moments in Christian history because the church was still unified. There mm -hmm. was disagreement within the church. Mm -hmm but they were still unified and and that wouldn't last forever because the church just keeps getting more and more fractured uh, as it goes on because we're, we're sinful. So the Council of Nicaea did not decide which books would be in the Bible. The reality is <clears throat> when they ultimately did decide that all they did was affirm what everybody was already using. There were some questionable books, Revelation, uh, Second Peter. Um, I think Hebrews had some questions about it and probably second Timothy. But, you know, many of these other, these other books were, were just, look, everybody was already using them. They were already circulated. If, if it was assumed that Paul was the author, it was considered scripture from the moment that it was written. It was totally authoritative for Christian life and practice. Now, there were some books that some people, you know, used, like, um, when I talked about abortion on my Instagram, the, the Didache, there were some people who used the Didache in Africa because they didn't have the Bible together in one resource. So they had to figure out how do we live out our Christian faith? So the Didache means the teaching. Mm -hmm. So here's what you do. And so in the Didache chapter two, verse two, don't abort babies mm -hmm. either in the womb or immediately after they're born. That is literally what it says. Mm -hmm. So, because that was a problem in the Gentile world is Gentiles aborted babies. One of the things that made the church grow and become so multi-ethnic was a lot of people didn't have money for an abortion. Mm -hmm. So you had to be very, very wealthy. Cause think about it. I mean, you can kill the woman. And right. so people wanting abortions typically would have been, you know, women that were prostitutes or wealthy women. You know, if you were just your average poor woman, you just you, you, had the baby. Yeah, you had yeah. the baby. So what you did is you took it to the temple or you took it to the local dump and you just dropped them off. And what Christians would do is it would scoop those babies mm -hmm. up and raise them. And so then in one generation, you have a completely multi-ethnic church Love that. and it's totally beautiful. And it, and it just, it changes the world. When you, when you go into church, like, wait a minute, you're black, you know, you're this, you're mm -hmm. that, you know, and, and they're all sitting there worshiping this one God who loves, wait a minute, you, 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 me, because almost all religions in the ancient world are ethnic specific, mm -hmm. ethnic specific. And what Christianity is, is it's global. God loves the nations. God loves the peoples. Now, he chose the Jews to be a light unto the nations. Um, but um, but it's a beautiful thing. So that's a great, great question. Awesome. I, I hope that helps. And, um, you know, you can you can look up the Council of Nicaea anywhere. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a beautiful thing. And, and again, um, I don't know what they decided about eunuchs, though. So offhand. Yeah, it doesn't really say. Uh, glad that you guys are listening at work. What a great tool. Um, even to reach your friend. I hope he keeps listening yeah. with you. That would be and awesome. And if I was totally offensive, I apologize. 
No, it was great. I thought it was good. I think the big thing is that the Council of Nicaea did not determine the canon of Scripture. That's not what it was no. about at all. No. So that was kind of... No, eunuchs, Easter, off. and Jesus. And that Jesus <laughs> is God, yeah. not just a, whatever, yeah. created by God. He yeah. is God. Okay, awesome. Okay, Nick. Hey, Nick from Riverside says, yes. in your 25-year celebration sermon, you mentioned the next pastor several times. Yeah. I thought that was great, actually. Thank you. Each time you mention the future pastor, you refer to that individual as a he. Is there a biblical reason why it needs to be a male leader? Is this related to God's call for husbands to be the spiritual leaders of their households? Yeah. So, Nick, um, thank you for this landmine and this grenade. <laughs> this is going to so, be awesome. <laughs> you know, and that's just, you know, that's the result of, of, of living in a culture where we're questioning gender, uh, we're questioning yeah. roles. and um, Which is so funny because when you said that, in my mind, I didn't yeah. go, well, does yeah. it have to be a boy like that? Yeah. But I mean, Nick, I'm not saying you said it in that attitude tone, but mm. very interesting. Yeah. So, so let me, let me just start off with an apology to both sides. So, um, let me start off to women who've been overlooked, mm. uh, been unheard and mistreated. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, that's wrong. Male chauvinism is gross. Whenever one gender wins, both lose. Mm -hmm. There's just, there's no way around that. Um, uh, but let me say that to people who think that gender has been obliterated by Christianity, um, you know, that, um, you know, gender role is, are all social. It's not, a, it's not a biological reality. I want you to know that you're wrong too. And so the truth is probably somewhere in the middle and that's really where Sandals Church is. So let's talk about why um, I, when I reference our future pastor as a he, because I believe he will be a he. And let me explain why. Um, I believe that male leadership is about God's creative order. So God made Adam first, then Eve. And so I actually um, want to do an entire series on this. And, and maybe I'll, I'll, I'll put this in our 2023 calendar. I've, I've wanted to do a series for a couple of years now, and I want to call it Her, because I want to really look into and dig into the female leaders in scripture, understand that and figure out how as a church we can go forward, both affirming women in leadership and not completely obliterating or throwing away what the Bible says. And, and because if we just throw away the Bible, then what, what are we doing? Right. So, so male leadership is about God's creative order. So whenever you see female leaders uh, in the scripture, and a lot of my progressive friends miss this. So Zipporah, Moses' mm -hmm. wife, mm -hmm. Deborah in Judges, mm -hmm. Huldah, the prophetess in uh, 2 Kings 22. Some of you have never heard of Huldah. She's one of my favorites. Um, she's a prophetess. N nobody can even read Hebrew. They, they can't even read the Bible, so they have to go to her. Mm -hmm. And uh, because she's the only one who knows how to read it. It's always women leading when men are weak, mm. always. Whenever there is a problem with men in the culture, women have to step up. We see this in our culture, we're single moms. Uh, most women today make more than their husbands, are doing better than their husbands. Women are better educated. Uh, and so, so why are we seeing such a huge rise in women in our culture? Because men are mm -hmm. just broken. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, biologically, our sperm counts are 62% lower than our grandfather's. That's not like a feeling. Uh, men are becoming more and more effeminate. So we're coming out of a time when our culture was male chauvinist. Women were dismissed, yeah. overlooked, unseen, unappreciated. Mm -hmm. You know, you just go in the kitchen and cook. That's gross. Yeah. That's really a, a 1950s version of the Bible and not the Bible. You know, like when I hear women say, um, I want to be a Proverbs 31 woman. Great. Get a job. Yeah. Because she had one. She was business. She woman. was handling her she stuff. She was a boss. Yeah, she was a boss. <laughs> and um, she, what she did, what the Proverbs 31 woman does so well is 
She um, handles her business. She's strong in who she is. She's respected by her children and her husband and the community. Right. But she's not she's not subverting his leadership. Where is he sitting at the city gates with the men? And so, um, you know, that's the challenge, particularly for so many women in our church who are the stronger personality. It is challenging. And um, what I would say to young single women is, um, it's better to be single than to be miserable marrying a boy. And that, and that's what I see. So I, this needs to be a much longer theological discussion and really a, a series. But when you have weak men, women always have to step up and save the day. So um, let me let me say it like this: the best thing for a child, I think this is a little less offensive. The best thing for a child is a strong man and a strong woman as parents. Amen. Most families in our church don't have that, but that doesn't mean we don't point to the ideal. So the best thing for Sandals Church in the future is a strong male as pastor. We, we should never, we should, that's the best thing. If we don't have one, then God will provide a Deborah. God mm, will provide a Hulda. That's good. God will provide a, a Zipporah. I mean, Zipporah kept Moses and right. her children from being killed by right. God, you know, and my wife has been Zipporah many, many times. Um, and so, but what we should say is we shouldn't, we just shouldn't say culturally where men and women are equal because we're not, what do you mean by equal? If do you mean the same? Mm-hmm. I I do not agree with that. We are my wife and I are not the same. We, we, we you know we both have value. We have different roles. Um, Jesus is equal to the Father, but he is subservient in the economic role of God. So there's called the economy of God. So what does Jesus say? He doesn't say I do whatever I want. He right. says I do whatever the Father says. Mm-hmm. So our Savior, our Lord, models submission. Mm. So. If you and I were married, we submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. Mm -hmm. And then out of that, when you and I are both submitted to Jesus, then you are able to submit to me as I love you as Christ loved the church. And then you respect the helm of leadership that is on me. That's a difficult thing. It's it's really hard to unpack. Uh, Chauvinistic male, stupid men (laughs) use it to abuse and overlook the beauty of women. Um, But I would just say in the same way that we want a mom and dad for our kids in the same way we want a senior leader in the church should be a male. Um, I think the Bible's teaching on this is clear and consistent. Um, our problem is, though, is we live in a female-dominated society. It just is. And I know I know a lot of ladies don't like to hear that, but things have changed. The things things have, have changed drastically since the 1970s. So in the 1970s, we had a male-dominated chauvinistic culture. I remember my mom in the 1980s trying to go buy a car and mm. weeping because the men at a car dealership w- put her down and wouldn't listen to her mm-hmm. and didn't believe that she had the authority. This is in America. Mm. This, uh, this is 1984 um, to buy our car. Wow. My, my dad sent my mom, my mom's better with money mm-hmm. to buy the car. That's gross. Yeah. And stupid if you're a car salesman, right? right exactly. um, so, 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 so that's <laughs> happened, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I think about, you know, the, the movie nine to five, you know, just chauvinism, just mm-hmm. so gross where the women are all competent and he's a moron, mm-hmm. but he's the man. So he gets the job, you know, that's gross. So I think chauvinism was real and what chauvinism at its roots, so we say male chauvinist, but I think there are women chauvinists. Chauvinism's definition is that a gender is superior. So um, who's the Supreme Court justice that just died? Um, the famous liberal gal. Ruth. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Mm-hmm. Like, so they asked her, you know, how many women should be on the Supreme Court? She just says nine. Okay. 
<laughs> what if I said that? Right, exactly. I think the Supreme Court. So what she's doing is, now she's being humorous, and, and, mm. and there's some things about Ruth Bader Ginsburg that I liked. And one of the things I loved about her, she said that Roe v.s. Wade was a terrible ruling. Mm. Terrible. So she, 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 she even as a woman that was pro-choice, she, she did not like Roe v.s. Wade. She just said it went too far. Mm -hmm. um, but that's female chauvinism. Uh, feminism, we don't need men. Right. Well, guess what we've got in a Now we have a culture without men and they want to be 40 years old, play video games. Uh, they still want to have sex, by the way, mm -hmm. you know, which is the story of Peter Pan. He never wants to grow up, but finds his way into a girl's bedroom every <laughs> evening. Wow. Why has, why does no one understand that? Yeah. He's staring at her while she's <laughs> sleeping in her bed. Oh, that's so cute. I'm punching that boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm punching that he boy. He flies into the bedroom. Yeah, he flies into her bedroom. And so, um, hmm. You know, and we don't think about that. And so I, I think that since then, we've lost the beauty and strength culturally of gender. So now kids get to pick, yeah. right? Because if, if there's no difference, right. oh, well, I get to be whatever I want because they're the same, which the Bible does not teach that we're the same. We are different. Um, so our culture in the name of equality has obliterated manhood. So actually, Isaiah prophesies this. So Isaiah is a prophet in the Old Testament and he, and he looks and, he, and a lot of people don't realize this, but Isaiah three is to women. Hmm. Listen to what he says. He says, youths oppress my people, women rule over them. Oh, my people, your guides lead you astray. They turn you from the path. In Isaiah three twelve, he says, and women have become arrogant and prideful. Hmm. What Isaiah is seeing, he's seeing a future where men are lazy, men are children, and the world is run by youths and women. What does that sound like? Our culture, we don't yeah. value wisdom. We don't right. value age. You know, uh, we want 16 year olds to vote because that's helpful. <laughs> um, but then he goes on to say, and, and when you read that, who pays the price? Mm. Women. Yeah, absolutely. And what he goes on to say, I, I think, man, I think I have it here somewhere. It's uh, later on in Isaiah chapter four, verse one, he says, in your future, a day is coming when seven women will take hold of one man and say, we will eat our own food and provide our own clothes. Let us only be called by your name. Take away our disgrace. Wow. Because when you obliterate manhood, you destroy what it means to be a woman. Mm -hmm. And women, and, and what's happening now? Did you know that on dating sites, 90% of women are selecting 10% of men. We're recreating digital polygamy because there's so few men. Oh, there are. There's yeah. so few men. So you have all these desperate, lonely men mm. who feel like I'm not good enough. I'm not handsome enough, um, you know, because they're being judged in the way that we used to judge women, yeah, right? Absolutely. You know, get up on a stage, wear a bikini because yep. that's empowering. <laughs> right. But we're doing the same thing with men now. Mm. And, and you got all these depressed, sad guys who are mm. addicted to porn, play video games, can't grow up, feel emasculated, you know, are depressed. Their testosterone is dropping. They can't produce sperm. Um, and then, and then women can't get pregnant. I mean, it's yeah. just this huge thing that's destroying our culture because we've said, you know, and this is what we do. We always go too far. It wasn't right to treat women the way that we treated them. It, you know, it wasn't right. So there's a great book called The Boy Crisis. And if you guys can put the name of that book in the show notes, that'd be great. But he said in 1972, he graduated from UCLA and got his PhD. Not one woman was in his class. He was invited back in 2010 to speak and not one man graduated. Wow. I want everyone to listen to me. In, in the next 10 to 15 years, hmm. your students will not have a male professor in college. I believe that, yeah. 
it is it is the complete effeminization of education. Mm-hmm. Women do better in school because they're better at sitting, paying attention, and they're less they're less active. Mm-hmm. Boys do not do well. So much of ADHD, right? Kids, boys have ADHD. You know, we have this psychological thing called flight or fight. Well, what do you do when you're a child and you can't do either? You just check out. Yeah. And that's why all these boys, they just zone out Mm -hmm. and we're losing, you know, and boys genetically, you know, it's why typically they used to make such great surgeons because they can focus for hours on one thing. Like if your son and you're, you know, we were talking about video games, how many hours could he play video games? Oh, yesterday it was like seven. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's not a female trait. Right. Girls are going to get bored at mm-hmm. some point and want to do something else. Boys have this innate ability to just zone in. And that's why surgeons are so great. If you have a 12-hour surgery, you want some dude yeah, that's like maybe focused. not, you know, real emotionally healthy, right. but he can just, <laughs> right. you know, focus in on, you know, the valves in your heart. And that's not to say that women can't be surgeons because they can. But now we're just seeing everywhere yeah. boys are just failing and falling apart. So Isaiah prophesies about this, mm-hmm. okay? So there, there, there's a man problem. We, yeah. we have a huge man problem. You know, boys are lazy. Um, they, they're, they're not educated. Mm-hmm. They're making far less mm-hmm. than they're... Because like, so the, the saying is, you know, women make 70% of men. What we're finding is men are making far less. One of the problems we have at Sandals Church is our pastors are making way less than their wives. It creates a big problem. Wow. We, at Sandals, we cannot compete with education. Right. A lot of the women in our church, the wives are in nursing mm-hmm. and education. I cannot pay our mm-hmm. pastors what a teacher makes, or what an administrator Absolutely. makes, or a nurse makes. And, and and so it creates difficulties. And so it, it creates challenges. So so what do we do? Okay, that that's the cultural mm-hmm. thing. What do we do at Sandals? We turn to scripture. Mm-hmm. So... Um, what is what is the role of the senior pastor? I believe the role of the senior pastor is the role of the elder. So let me talk that, then let's talk ladies. Um, the elder is the senior leader or leaders. It can be singular or plural. And I know all my haters are going to say it has to be plural. There just are um, many examples of singular leadership. And, and let me just say this. Let's say there were five Matt Browns at our church. That would be intense. Okay, sir. it would be intense. <laughs> and would it be the best for the kingdom? Yeah. To keep all five Matt Browns here at Sandals Church, or would it be better to share them Mm -hmm. and spread them across other churches so that they could lead? That's the problem with elder leadership. If if you truly had five Matt Browns, what I would say is you're probably not fulfilling the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, we can be friends, but we need to run separate churches. Um, And so I think that's really, really important. People are going to disagree with that, and that's fine. I think in scripture, you can argue that elder can be singular or plural. So um, there are two real words for this position that we're talking about for the senior pastor position. One is the English word overseer, which is episkopos, which uh, episcope, so seeing over, mm-hmm. that's what it means in Greek. So scopus, you know, if you go get scoped, <laughs> that's real fun. Um, and so uh, we, we see that constantly uh, in the roles identified by Paul as the senior leader and then elder, which is uh, presbyteros. Um, which is where you get the term Presbyterian. Mm-hmm. So their style of leadership. What they said is, when they looked at it, they said, wait a minute, this word should not be translated priest. It should be translated elder. And so they burned at the stake for it. Yeah. Thanks to our wonderful Jesus, like Catholic friends a couple hundred years ago. Not Catholics today, but Catholics a couple hundred years ago. So then we go to Ephesians 4. Man, if you're not totally lost, sorry. No, Don, Donna's it's giving good. Me the glaze I'm not, no, I'm not glazed. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm tracking with you. Yeah, so... 
So I've been like, man, 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 man. Now here's the oof. Okay. <laughs> Ephesians four. So we're in Ephesians. We're in a series called different. And yeah. I'm going to get to this, I think next week, um, after, um, after Thanksgiving. This week, yeah. This is Ephesians four eleven, And God gave some to be apostles. Yeah. Some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be shepherds, some to be teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, mm -hmm. uh, for building up the body of Christ. In this is not mentioned presbyteros or episcopos. But these are roles in the church. So let's walk through them. Apostles. Mm -hmm. um, what are they? There's 12 unique apostles. And then I would add 13 because Paul is a part of that group. Mm -hmm. But apostles literally means sent out ones. Mm -hmm. Missionaries. Are there apostles that are women? Man, uh, in uh, Romans chapter 16, we have a woman in a position of leadership. She's called an apostle, uh, an apostle or I, I mean, you could interpret as apostle. I tend to. He says, greet Andronicus. That's a man's name. Sounds feminine. It's a man's <laughs> name. And Junia. So yeah. like my grandmother's name, Junella, that's where you see that name. My fellow Jews who have been prisoned with me, they are outstanding among the apostles. They were in Christ before I was. Yeah. So Paul seems to be identifying a woman and he calls her by name. And we've actually uncovered um, all kinds of, uh, you know, a written history. There's even artwork dedicated to this woman in the first century mm -hmm. who seems to have been considered an apostle. So now in my own tradition, um, so whether or not she was an apostle like the 12 or the 13, or she was an apostle like a missionary. So um, Baptists, right, historically have not ordained women, but we send women as missionaries. Yeah. So we have this offering called the Lottie Moon offering. And Lottie Moon was this woman who went to China and she went as a single woman, unmarried, and started the missionary movement in China. Wow. She's an apostle. Yeah, absolutely. So now the Baptists are going to lose their minds, <laughs> but that's what she was. She was sent out and right. set apart mm -hmm. to start missionary work. That's what an apostle does. And so, um, because we don't see the word missionary, like mm -hmm. that, that, that's a modern term. So the apostles, then we have prophets. Can women prophesy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So first Corinthians chapter 13 and 14, when a woman pr uh, prays or prophesies, she must do so with her head covered. Why is that? To make sure that as she's leading, she's not saying I am over men, mm -hmm. but she is speaking and she is prophesying. So that doesn't mean that you need to cover your head. That was a cultural thing. Right. But what it means is when you lead as a woman, you are not saying I'm a man. Mm -hmm. So I, I am still a That's woman. That's really good. Yeah, but I can pray and prophesy and speak and lead in the church. Now, some of people that are against this, they will say, well, Paul says, um, and, and you guys check me in the notes because I'm winging this. Um, in 1 Corinthians 13, 34 and 35, I believe it says that women are to remain silent in the church as is the practice in all the churches. Okay, that verse is what's called a floating verse. Do you know what that means? Mm -mm. It means in our ancient manuscripts, it moves. So why would it move? Here's what I believe. Because it's a scribal note hmm. that was placed trying to reconcile what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 13 with what Paul says in 1 Timothy mm -hmm. chapter 1, verse 10. Mm -hmm. Because they seem to be saying two different things. Am I correct? 1 Corinthians 14. Oh, 1 Corinthians 14, verses 34. 35. And 35. Thank mm. you. Um, so I think that I think a scribe is trying to reconcile that. So it's a note. And then over time, there's probably an arrow and then a scribe inserted it and then they didn't know where to put it. So mm. it moves. It's so out of context. Yeah. When you read it, it mm -hmm. does not fit um, specifically with what I just said that 
how can women be silent in the church when they are to cover their heads when they pray and prophesy? It makes no sense at all. So women prophesy. Uh, In the book of Acts, um, I believe it's Jason has four daughters who prophesy. They are prophets. Hulda, I already said, Mm -hmm. she is called a prophetess. Mary prophesies. Miriam. Uh, Yeah, Miriam prophesies. So um, (laughs) next next we have evangelists. (laughs) Yeah. So when I was growing up, evangelists were always men. Who are the two first evangelists? Yeah. They're women the, yeah. who Mary. see Jesus. That's right. So an evangelism is the is those who proclaim the gospel. The first evangelists are women. Mm-hmm. So so we see that. Then we have shepherds. And so um poimen is the word where we get pastor. So this is the big, you know, can can women be pastors? Yes, of course, absolutely. Pastor is not a position. It's not just a noun, it's a verb. Mm -hmm. It describes what you do. You're pastoring right right now. You're shepherding. You're caring for the flock. Um, So, you know, can women do that? It's a separate word from presbyteros and from That is so uh, good. I have never heard that the shepherd word was different from, because I think a lot of people harp on that as like, no, women cannot do that. And keep going. Yeah, so uh, episkopos, overseers, one of their responsibilities is to shepherd the flock of God. Mm -hmm. So a, a an episkopos, uh, I don't know how to say, I, I think it's poem, I might have been, I've been too long since I've been in Greek, but I think it's poemin, I think it's how you make it the active, um, they shepherd. Mm-hmm. So it's an action. So like I'm a pastor, but I can also pastor you. Absolutely. We don't use that a lot in English, right. but that's really what it means. And then there's teachers. Okay. And so, so this is the problem. So, cause, and I'm going to get to first Timothy, which is the weirdest, most bizarre passage in scripture. And I have no idea what to do with that because it says you have to have babies to get <laughs> saved. It's just, it's just a really, really challenging verse. And anybody that re- you just have to be honest, yeah. we don't know what to do with that. We don't know what to do with Paul, what Paul says that we baptize for the dead. There's just some things right. where we would like, I would love to raise my hand in class and be like, Paul, can you explain? Right. But he didn't. He didn't explain that. So we just have to do the best we can. And then there are some who are teachers. So can women teach? Absolutely. Uh, and here's why. Many people miss the subtlety of Mary, the Mary and Martha story. You talked about it in your talk mm-hmm. um, at, at Cultivate, which was awesome, by Thanks. the way. Um, many people miss this. So what Martha is saying is Mary should not be at the feet of Jesus. She should be in the kitchen. Right. Right? 1950s woman. Right. And, and here's the thing is, in our day, we will go to school just to learn. That did not happen 2,000 years ago. Mm. You sent your best and your brightest to learn so that they could teach. Mm. Think about this. This is how important the role of teacher is in, in Judaism. Let's say you're on a boat and you have your rabbi and your kids. Who do you save first? Yeah, I'm, I'm saving the kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're a Jew, <laughs> wow, you're save- saving your rabbi. Wow. And you better not come to the shore as a community with a dead rabbi because he's the only one who's literate. He's the only one who knows the word of God. He's the most important Mm. role. So families, cultures, systems, everybody invested in that rabbi so that, so that they know. One of the reasons you pay your tithe at Sandals Church is so that I can know all this stuff. Mm -hmm. My wife's like, I don't care. I'm like, well, I have to care. This is my job. (laughs) Yeah. So what Jesus is saying is Mm. Mary has the right to learn, not just to learn, but so that she She can can teach. teach. And isn't it interesting that she's one of the first to what? Proclaim the gospel. That's right. So you study under a teacher to become a teacher. So I think women can teach. Um, Women can have positions of leadership. Like I said, Um, you know, this is, this is a whole series. It's super confusing. Um, But I think that one of the things that we need to understand is um, 
you know, and by the way, why don't we have priests at Sandals Church? Because Peter says we're all priests, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and Catholic Church doesn't like that, but that's what it says. We believe in what's called the priesthood of believers. Mm-hmm. You're a priest. I'm a priest. Right. Wouldn't you like to be a priest? You know, um, so, <laughs> you are so we're, so we're, we're, all, we're all priests. So and, good. Um, so, so here's the thing is, the best thing to do is to raise our boys to be men. Don't prevent clearly gifted women from using their God-given gifts. But don't mm-hmm. say, don't say they're the same. Yeah. They're the same. The best thing for Sandals Church is to pray for and raise up boys so that we can have a healthy man being the Episcopos, being the Presbyteros, overseeing. Um, because, and again, who is Jesus? He is our chief. Listen to this, Presbyteros. Mm-hmm. He is the chief elder. He is the chief overseer. He is the chief shepherd. And so, um, but we don't, we don't um, put down women. We don't um, demean them. Um, we, we don't we don't suppress them, but we enable them to use their gifts. And again, you know, the beauty of marriage, right? A healthy marriage is a strong man and a strong mm-hmm. woman, not believing they're the same, but uh, and not competing, but right. empowering each right. other to, to be who they're called to be. And you know, um, you know, I know my wife. My, you know, Tammy. She's a strong woman. Mm-hmm. At times, a tough woman. Um, but she's a strong, strong yeah, woman. Absolutely. But I know when she gets on thin ice, she looks to me mm-hmm. for support and strength because there are things that there are things that God made to sit on my shoulders that I can carry. And you you just have to you just have to you have to really pray through this. Why did God choose a man to die on the cross? Mm-hmm. Because there are things that men can carry. There are things that you can why did God choose a woman? to give birth to Jesus because there are things that you can do that I cannot do. And, um, and, 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 and you are to be glorified as a woman, you know, not a person. What is it? A person who can have babies or whatever. A birthing person. Birthing person. You know, you know, a a woman is a beautiful, amazing, incredibly powerful thing. But when you try to be Devon, it will break you. When Devon tries to be you, it will crush him. And we need to learn to be each other and celebrate each other. And and I realize I've probably offended everybody, but this is what I, the Bible teaches. I, and don't, it's, yeah. I thought that was so good, Pastor Matt. I think it's important. You know, when you, you're in church, I've been a part of churches where women couldn't walk across the pulpit, right? Yeah. Where where you couldn't literally, Sorry, I would have to in. walk around, you <clears throat> yeah. know, because you couldn't walk through. But then there are some very clear lines in scripture yeah. about authority and there's a blessing in authority. There's yeah. a blessing in submission. There's a blessing when we do it God's way. And mm-hmm. so I think you going through Ephesians 4 is really powerful because it it helps for all of us that are like, hey, I totally like pastor, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a capacity. Yeah. Um, to know, hey, God has called me to this, and and mm-hmm. it's and it's legal, I guess, in yeah. Scripture. Um, are you going to do the series, her? Because I, I yeah. would find, I mean, I would venture there's like yeah. three million ladies who want to hear. Yeah, that no, sermon. and I, and I think it's important, and you know, I mean, I think the challenge of Scripture is right. We're not we're not going to appeal to the feminist, and we're going absolutely. to anger the chauvinist. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to see if I can do it, and I can put it in there. You know, part of it's just I want to manage the grenades that I. I fall I mean, on, but I think that it's really, really important and people need to understand that and, and know that, um, you know, the, the, the clear teaching of scripture, you know, and, and oftentimes, you know, people on both sides just miss the argument. You see, you know, like the Galatians passage, um, for in Christ, there's neither, you know, male, male nor female. Mm-hmm. What people fail to understand is why was the book written? 
Paul is not obliterating gender. The, the beautiful theological point that he's arguing is, is does a person have to be circumcised to be saved? Mm-hmm. Well, why would he include women in that? Right. Because women weren't circumcised. So he's bolstering his point. Like with Deborah, you know, so many people point to Deborah as, you know, this, the book of Judges is about the failure of God's people. Absolutely. So, so Deborah has to lead because God's men have failed. Yeah. Look at, look at their leader, Samson. He's gross. Gideon, he's <laughs> yeah. faithless. Uh, look at the Levite priest who cuts up his concubine. Right. And so, you know, people, they look at that stuff and, and here's the passage, here, here's the theological overlap of Judges. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. the rejection of God. Yeah. Judges 5, she says, the men were fat and lazy. That's what the message version says. All the men were fat and lazy. So I had to arise as a mother and take care of, take care of the nation. Yeah. Yeah, Amen. And so, and and that's what women are having to do in our culture, which praise God for them, but it comes at a cost. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It comes at a cost. And so we need to uh, celebrate men in how they are Mm. created in the image of God. And we need to celebrate women in how they are created in the image of God and not put down or, or disdain either, but, but celebrate that and just say, okay. So, um, so that's why I believe that the next okay. pastor, and I'm using Poiman, but the next presbyteros, the next overseer. elder, overseer mm-hmm. of Sandals Church must be a man. So we have women on our board. Mm-hmm. We have women in our senior leadership team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have that. We're but I, I do believe that for sandals to continue to operate under a biblical blessing, the senior leader must be a man. And, um, and I, and I, and I, I've laid out quickly my case. Why? So, <laughs> quickly. Yeah. Quickly. No, that was so good. Yeah. Are you making fun of me? I, a little bit. It yeah. wasn't quick, but it was so good. I think every single piece of that needed to be said. Yeah. And so I love the difference between knowing overseer and then. Yeah. We, and, I, and we need, that's to, so good. I need to come up with a position paper that explains, um, you know, to people what we believe and why that's important. And um, because there's so much confusion today, yeah, you know, absolutely. with TikTok and information and, and just like, I'm sure, you know, our first question, I'm sure he heard from somewhere that the Council of Nicaea decided the what was in the canon. Right. And I've heard that, but it doesn't mean it's true. Right. Um, you know, like you and I were talking before the show, Christians think, you know, the Enneagram is Satan, you know, well, I think Evagoras Ponticus would disagree. You know, mm-hmm. the Christian who was the first to say three, tr- you know, the three struggles of man really are emotional, um, you know, um, mental mm-hmm. and then instinctual. Mm-hmm. That's the division, the threefold division of, of the Enneagram. Yeah. Uh, that's not to say that pagans haven't contributed. Um, you know, pagans have contributed to medicine and I'm yeah. grateful for it. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, but anyways, so that, good. that's another grenade. I just love it. On. All yeah. the grenades today. Yeah. Here's mm. the next grenade. <laughs> yes. Are you ready? Yeah. Well, I'm at so. Nate from YouTube. What's up, Nate? Hey, Nate. My brother's name is Nate. That's awesome. Um, yeah. thank you for the message this weekend. That was nice. Thank well, thank you. you. I, yeah. What is your perspective on speaking in tongues? Wow. Yeah. That was, that had nothing to do with the message, but I yeah. love that you asked this other pastors like Todd White and Joseph Prince and Corey Russell and John Piper, et cetera, practice this. And I want to know what you think about it. So I don't think John Piper does. I don't either. Yeah. Actually, I <laughs> yeah, was like, I think, I'm I think, thinking I think, that's not I the think, right Pastor Piper, One. uh, brother, Pastor Piper might brother Russell. Yeah. That. Joseph Prince. Uh-huh. Todd yeah. White. Love him. Uh, okay. I don't think about, I don't know about John Piper. Yeah. So here's what I would say. Tongues is real. It's real. It's easily faked. That's the biggest problem. Um, I think in public worship, in public worship, it's almost always confusing and weird. I just, I, I love my charismatic brothers and sisters and I think it's disruptive. And so, um, 
you know, so here's what the Bible says, right? We're going to go straight to the word of yeah. God. Uh, publicly, um, only a handful of people should speak in tongues at one time. Paul mm -hmm. is very clear. Two or yes. three. I mean, he, he gives numbers. Only two or three should speak in tongues out loud. And there must, it must always, always. be interpreted. Yes. And to my charismatic friends, I love you. It is never, I shouldn't say never. It is almost never interpreted. Um, so, you know, if it ever happened uh, at Sandals Church, I would demand that it, it, it must be interpreted. And I would not accept an interpretation from the person who spoke in tongues. Mm -hmm. Because then I would just say, why didn't you just prophesy? Mm -hmm. Like if, if you have a tongue and an interpretation, I feel like you're just showboating and you're trying to, you're making it about yourself. And so I would just say, you know, like if you had the interpretation, why don't you just give it to us? Mm -hmm. um, so that's me personally, you know, I'm the poyman of this, that press Buteras of this church. <laughs> and so that's my job and that's my Absolutely. role. I have charismatic friends who disagree. I have charismatic friends. I mean, I, I love, and by charismatic, these are people that speak in tongues. It's a big part of what they do. I, I love them. I, I've been a part of, um, you know, their their prayer services, their worship experiences, where everybody's speaking in tongue, everybody's shouting out loud, and it just it never feels right. It never seems right to me. And um, and here's what I would say: if it feels weird, that's probably not the Holy Spirit. So, I I think when it's real, you're like, whoa. If you go, that's weird. That's that's not God. <laughs> so God doesn't need any more weirdos. He's good. He's got yeah. enough. Um, here's what I would say. You should never feel, you should never be forced to speak in tongues. Mm -hmm. You should never feel pressured into it. You should never be shown how to do it. Um, if it feels wrong, it is. And so, uh, you know, I got some good friends of mine, uh, charismatics in England. They just, they get cross-eyed every time, you know, I tell them I can't speak in tongues. I prayed for it. I've asked for <laughs> it. I've asked enough. I'm not asking anymore. I don't have the gift. I, I don't do it. I appreciate it. I, I have friends that I know it's a real part of their life and I respect them and love them. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to whom That's he right. gives. And, you know, I prayed for singing too. I didn't get that one either. No, like sir. my favorite part of Cultivate, and it was so interesting, you know, when they were leading worship, all the women, a thousand women were singing. I looked and so there were a couple guys, uh, some of the pastors, we were there to, to, you know, honor and support our wives. And I looked and none of us were singing. Mm. We were just listening. And it was, it was angelic. It was mm. beautiful. Yeah. And, and I told somebody that I said, yeah, the worship on stage was so amazing. I said, no, 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 not the worship on stage. Yeah. The women, the worship in the seats, mm -hmm. the women in the seats. That was amazing. Now, if you're a, a, one of the ladies that led it, you were amazing on stage. So, but every, all of our mm -hmm. worship is amazing on yeah. stage. What was rare was listening to it sing. So um, so here's what I do. If you have the gift of tongues or you're curious about the gift of tongues, here's what I would encourage you to do. If you go to Sandals, if you go to another church, do whatever they say. Okay. Each church is, um, one of the things we believe at Sandals is the autonomy of the local church. So we don't have a Pope. We don't mm -hmm. have a Bishop that's telling us what to do. We're trying to find the Bible, mm -hmm. follow the Bible as best we can as a independent church. Pray in tongues privately. I would encourage you to do this. Paul says this in first Corinthians 4, 14, 14, 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, right. but he who prophesies edifies the church. Mm -hmm. So what I'm trying to do when I'm preaching is I'm trying to prophesy. I'm speaking God's word. I'm sharing God's word. And again, when we went back to women, that's why I believe women can teach because we prophesy, we speak God's word. Mm -hmm. We speak God's word to God's people. And um, I believe that women can do this. Some mm -hmm. people disagree with me and that is their right to... Um, live out scripture according to their conviction. And I'm not going to throw stones at them or call them heretical or anything else. 
It's, I'm going to lead our church the best way I know how. Mm-hmm. So, so he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. So pray in tongues privately. If you're in worship and you, and you feel, you feel led to pray in a tongue, I would encourage you to pray in your tongues quietly and to yourself and to God uh, in worship. Do not be a distraction. If you're a distraction, it's about you. Mm-hmm. So listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 too. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So that is between you and God. So you can do this privately, um, you know, and be as loud as you want. I mean, in your home, let it rip. Um, in the church, don't be a distraction. Mm-hmm. And, and that goes for anything, um, uh, not just a tongue, but, uh, you know, dancing, running. Whatever, like, yeah. I, I, the, remember the flags? Mm-hmm. Like, I have ADHD, <laughs> man. I Flags sometimes show up in San Bernardino, oh, okay. but they yeah. sat in the back. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, we love San Bernardino, but, you know, leave your flag at home. So... And here's what I would say is if you want to, if you want a gift, pray for the gift of prophecy. Yeah, that's Paul because says. this is what Paul says in first Corinthians 14, 39. Therefore, my brothers be eager to prophesy mm-hmm. and do not forbid speaking in tongues. So why is Sandals position what it is? There's your answer. Mm-hmm. Be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. I don't forbid it. Uh, it's not something that we push on people. It's not something that we pressure people. Uh, it's something that people, some people do in our church and they come from various backgrounds and they have various gifts and, and that's something that's important. Um, you know, there may be an instance, you know, where it might happen in a public service, but I would need to know you. Like when we, you know, the, tra- <laughs> the traveling prophets, I'm like, go, go leave. <laughs> we don't need a traveling prophet at Sandals Church. We have, we have the Holy Spirit is here and alive. Jesus rules and reigns and he speaks to and through his church. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're having a traveling prophet, I would think of somebody charismatic like Lisa Bevere. Mm-hmm. We've had her speak at our mm-hmm. church. We've had her husband, John Bevere. They speak in tongues. I love them. Um, they mean a lot to me. Um, I think about, uh, my friends in England. Um, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name, my good friend in England, <laughs> but, um, Glenn, um, oh, what's pastor Glenn's last name? I can't think of Glenn's okay. name, but we pastor Glenn. Glenn at, uh, audacious church in, um, love that. oh man, where is it? He's not in Dublin, not in Dublin. He's not in London. What's Manchester. Manchester thank you. Mm-hmm. So audacious church is in Manchester. Um, and I love him. He He's a big person into tongues. And I believe that he loves the Lord and they're doing a great thing there in England. And I think that's important. Um, that's just what Sandals teaches. You know, that's what we believe. And I hope that provides some clarity. Um, you know, so so again, you know, if you want to come to our public worship service, feel free to, Absolutely. you know, do that yourself. Just don't, don't like stand out. Like, don't do that. But, but you know, I, I think it's appropriate if the Holy Spirit leads. And whenever I've experienced and it's been done well, there's an interpretation. It's minimized. Mm-hmm. Two or three, mm-hmm. Paul says. Two or three. Um, and there's always it's always interpreted. Always. And if it's not interpreted, it's just, it's not. Literally, Paul says this. People are going to think you're weird. Mm-hmm. It's what he says. And that's what people experience in church is, look, we already believe in a dead guy who rose, who was born by a virgin. Can we not make it any weirder? Um, you know, I, I, we just need to understand that, especially in a culture that is so unchurched, mm. so far from God. Um, and and uh, charismatics tend to be manipulative. Like it, it can get very, very manipulative. I heard a word from the Lord, or it, it just becomes very, very manipulative in those gifts. And we have to be very, very careful because it wounds people. Absolutely. Like I have a good friend of mine who goes to charismatic church and she was told, your dad will live. The Lord told me and he died. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ah, oh, 
That mm-hmm. was if the Lord said it, he ain't dead. Yeah. That's absolutely. not what it happens. Mm. Um and, and we gotta be really, really careful when we say the Lord said. Yeah. And so I, I like to say I feel like the Lord's saying, I think this is in accordance with God's will. Mm-hmm. Or I just say, here's my thoughts on mm-hmm. it. And a lot of pastors, unfortunately, don't know the difference between God's thoughts and their yeah, thoughts. Yeah. And they need to. So I hope this helps. That's and for good. some of you, like a, probably a lot of our audience are like, what is this? Christianity is diverse. Absolutely. And uh, there are a lot of beliefs. So we come from all different backgrounds. Yeah. And yeah, I, you know, I've been in certain, I, I pray in tongues probably more than I pray in English. And, um, but to myself in my house mm-hmm. to the point where, like you said, Paul says, you don't want to be freaking people out and you're not praying to mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. or speaking to them. You are mm-hmm. speaking directly to God. And so, yeah. And, and I think, I think the beauty of sandals is that we come here knowing that we've all come from different backgrounds and we, we know um, that we can worship in a way that, mm-hmm. that, is authentic to us, but mm-hmm. we, you know, there's such unity here in that. And mm-hmm. I think for me and Devo, Devon, love you, honey. <laughs> I don't even know your husband's name. <laughs> He's been Devo for 30 years. I, That's well, how me I too. met him. <laughs> his new name, his new official name is Devo Devon. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Um, Sorry to interrupt Who you. came, who are old school, you know, came from old school, some background, charismatic Pentecostal yeah. backgrounds. What we have loved, loved about mm-hmm. sandals is all the pressure feels off mm-hmm. and realizing God moves Amen. in so many ways mm-hmm. that you, you, you know, sometimes I say Pentecostals, you got to take off your Pentecostal or Pentecostal panties sometimes get in a bunch, right? Because yeah. it it is not that God only can move or speak or do in one way. God moves in so many different ways. And that's mm-hmm. the beauty I think of this church and being a part of this church and realizing all the pressure mm-hmm is off. You don't have to Yeah, I would say when, you know, and you're not my age, but, um, (laughs) you know, I mean, you, you, you are a middle-aged woman. Um, (laughs) thanks. You know, I think when you and I were raised and coming up in the church Mm -hmm. and here's where it's similar, you were either a word church or a gifts church. That's right. And what I'm seeing God doing that I love, and it's really, you know, Hillsong gets a lot of crap and, you know, a lot of it's deserved. Yeah. The beauty of what they've done with worship right. is they've brought us together. Absolutely. And I think they've made us a whole church. Um, you know, my friend Mark Driscoll, um, and I know he he gets a lot of crap, much of it deservedly so, but, <laughs> but, but a lot of it not. You know, what he said in his, you know, he comes from a very word background. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, word churches have too many points. He said, charismatics have none. Yeah, absolutely. And he just went, you know, and it just, it, it, he said, we've got to come together because... You can't just be a raw, raw emotional experience, but That's you right. can't be this stale. Um, you know, I was talking to a lady in our church um, who comes from a word church where she she was not allowed to say the spirit, like the holy, like they said, they, they told her, just say the Lord. Oh, and I was no. like, well, I, I just, I couldn't believe that, but they are so afraid mm-hmm. of, of being going charismatic. Crazy. Yeah. And it's like, look, man, we, we need each other. Um, and, you know, I, I went and spoke on, is it Daystar? What do you watch? Mm-hmm. You know, those guys are holy rollers. Yes, they are. And I, lo- <laughs> I, I loved it. And I loved being there. I loved being a part of what they do. And, um, mm. you know, I believe in miracles. I believe in tongues. Right. I believe in all of these things because, you know, the miracles of Jesus are still with us because the power of Jesus That's is still right. with us. That's right. And and I'm sad for anybody who has never seen a miracle or never, never experienced something outside of what they can explain. So tongues is one aspect Mm -hmm. of things that is outside of what we can explain. It's an interaction with God. Um, 
And, and by the way, um, you know, a lot of people don't understand. So Paul talks about um, that one of the primary purpose of, of tongues is for the unbeliever. And that's really confusing there, but it's for the Jew. Mm-hmm. The Jew, mm-hmm. the Jew is to hear the good news of God in a strange language. Mm-hmm. So tongues is this big word that has mo- multiple facets. Um, if you're a missionary, you need the gift of tongues. You, <laughs> Absolutely. you have to have this spiritual gift in order to communicate to gospel. Right. Because when you go to Acts chapter two, the first gift of tongues is the gift of hearing. How is it that you being a foreigner are speaking and I'm hearing in you my in my language, own language? Yeah, absolutely. And so the gift of tongues breaks down uh, linguistic confusion. And a lot of Christians don't understand that is, it is, it is the Holy Spirit is repairing what was broken at Babylon. Mm-hmm. That's good. That so much, so much of what the Christian misses because we divorced ourselves from Jews um, you know, and it's just so tragic. We're talking about the Council of Nicaea. You know, there were no Jews present. I mean, it's just, that breaks the heart of God. We don't realize that so much, like I was telling you, how John is reteaching Genesis. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realize that the book of Revelation is uh, the story of uh, Joshua backwards. Like, wow. like a lot of people don't realize this, man. And, you know, it's 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 the spiritual retelling of, of Jewish stories. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is, is reshaping uh, the Jewish narrative um, because he's fulfilling it and, yeah. and we, we miss that. And so Babylon is, we are going to make a name for ourselves. So Shem, and that is where God confuses them. They already had a name. Mm-hmm. They were already named for God and they were, and God's like, no. And so now we have a new name and he's bringing all nations to himself. So Babylon is the scattering of the peoples. Mm. Pentecost is the gathering of the that. peoples. And it's just so important to, to know. And, um, and, and don't judge people or, um, you know, like, I didn't know you spoke in tongues. You could have shared that before the show. Um, but, but, <laughs> I but, come with surprises, yeah, Pastor but for, Matt. But for those of you who don't, and I mean, I, I really, I really grieved in my early years. I was like, Lord, why, why am I not getting mm. this? And, it, and I, I felt like I was guilted. I felt yeah, like I absolutely. was shamed. Um, and then I had people that tried to just like, just say these things. And I right. was like, look, man. God, whatever you want to do. And, and, and I wept. I mean, I wept hmm. and it just wasn't, it wasn't the gift that God gave me. That's and right. listen, you don't get all the gifts. Yeah. No one person is the whole there church. Are, and I think that's important to know, you know, growing yeah. up, I didn't even realize there was like nine, you know, yeah. <laughs> it was like tongues, you yeah, know, yeah, and yeah. then that was it. But yeah. the gift of prophecy yeah. and working of miracles and yeah. healing and, and, um, all the other ones, you know, word of knowledge, word of yeah, wisdom, yeah, yeah. all of those things. And the Holy Spirit moves yeah. through people the way that he chooses. Yeah. Um, so that's And it cool. can be, and here's the thing also about gifts. It can be a temporary one-time gift. Like Absolutely. You could, you could pray over someone and heal them, but you may not have the gift of that's healing. That's right. That's right. You could speak in a tongue and it could never happen again. Yeah. Um, so, so you could preach a great sermon and after that, we're like, yeah, okay, you're done. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's, there's just a moment where, you know, the Holy Spirit can come upon so you good. and empower you to do something that, that you can't do mm-hmm. because you need his strength and you're being obedient to him. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I've seen goofy things, you yeah. know, like you said, I've seen things that are just like, that is not the spirit of God, I know. but, but. But we have it on our side too. You know, I I love John MacArthur, so much of his teaching, but he, you know, he gets, he just gets wonky on this issue and gets nasty, gets Mm -hmm. really nasty. And, um, you know, so many of us, the thing that you need to be careful of is you can't create a theology and then make it fit, make the Bible fit into your theology. Mm -hmm. What you need to say is, okay, man, there's a diversity of thought. And here's why, because, you know, there's, there's a diversity of the church, but there's, the scriptures are not 
it's not always easy to understand what Paul meant 2,000 years ago. And so we're trying to, you know, re-understand that. I was talking to a friend who's Reformed, and so that's a whole other issue. And so I said, what do you think you're Reformed to? And he said, to the original church. And I was like, (laughs) well, I think what Reformed is, it's reorganizing 16th century Catholicism. Mm. I don't I don't think they went straight back to the first century. Yeah. Because they they had no idea. They had no idea. I mean, just the term elder, that's borrowed from Jews. Mm. Jesus speaks to the the, the the leading priests, Sadducees, and the elders. Mm. That that's that word is completely borrowed from Judaism. And so um when we lose our Jewish brothers and sisters, we don't understand the cultural context of what that word mm. meant. And so um so anyways. Great conversation. Good. Yeah. Great question. Thank you. Thank you. That was great. What a great discussion. Thank you so much for um, yeah, just I'm, your I'm, research and your answers. And I'm learning about you. I know the whole now the whole entire church is that, yeah. and everybody else that watches. Well, these are so great. Thank you guys for putting uh, taking the time to send in your questions. They're so good. We love hearing Pastor Matt's perspective about this and and you're getting to know about your pastor, you're getting to know about your church and the more of what we believe. And I love this so much. So again, if you have a question, you want to go to move.sc forward slash ask and um, submit questions specifically about the messages, but also just about anything that's happening in your life that you have a question about and you want Pastor Matt to answer that. Thank you for watching on YouTube and listening. Share the podcast with someone yeah. else. It sounds like people have been doing that and that yeah, is amazing. I want to really encourage people to share um, the podcast because oftentimes, you know, people have questions that, you know, I just, I can't get to every single issue yeah. on the sermon and this just gives us an opportunity. And if, you, and if you feel totally lost by this podcast, let me just say this, you know, I've been your pastor for 25 years. These are things that I've wrestled through for 25 years. Yeah, that's good. Um, give yourself grace, give yourself time. Uh, language is not easy. The Greek language is not easy. Hebrew language is not easy. Church history is not easy. And most Christians who have a strong opinion don't know language, don't know history, mm-hmm. Most of us, like what you were saying, you're raised in this little bubble where you think every believer thinks just like you do. And the church is much bigger than you know. And it's much older than you know. And it has so much more history than you know. And those things are so important, you know. And so if someone, you know, throws something out there, you know, Council of Nicaea, and you're like, what's that? Well, (laughs) you know, that's where we need to talk about this. And so, um, you know, theology is just like, you know, education now. So much of it's just dominated by what's current. Mm. We've forgotten about what came before us. And um, and those who forget the past, you remember this, are doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. And so we need to understand the past so that we don't make mistakes in the present. So good. I know you guys are learning so much. I am learning so much through this process. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you. See you later. Hey, thanks for checking out the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown. The Debrief Podcast is produced by Sandals Church and is a show where Matt Brown answers questions on faith and culture. If you've enjoyed The Debrief and want to help us create more content that helps people grow in their faith and in their journey of being real, I want to invite you to visit donate.sc. Thanks for joining us and God bless.